and it doesn't it's really not that fantastical when you start looking at um not just the patents but um you know the evidence basically and and and, and the fact that you know they've even announced back in 2001 i think this jerk what was his name let me find it this guy i don't know if you've heard of him wow what a creepazoid um Dennis Bushnell announced it in 2001. Anyway, he's worth looking into. These people, their their one downfall is their incredible arrogance. But when you guys said, let's do another show, let's talk about targeting, I'm thinking, well, I can talk about my version, you know, of like spookiness and 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 even, you know, a black whisper helicopter trying, you know, hovering above my car. but it doesn't necessarily prove anything with regards to directed energy weapons. And Dr. John Hall's written two books. Dr. John Hall is like a, a lot of us. Um, you don't choose to get involved in this. Um, some, some of us that are involved, will we choose because, and I quote John, Dr. John Hall on this because I thought it was beautiful, actually. He said, when you know you're on the right side of God, you, you have the grace of God. You actually said that, John, in an interview, I think, yeah. with uh, Alex Jones. And it's so it's so true because, you know, once you're thrown into this mess, um, I guess you got a couple of choices, but certainly one of them is I don't speak out. I may get accused of being mentally ill. I may lose my job. Uh, happened to me. Um, I may be completely blacklisted, but you know what? I'm compelled to tell the truth about this. And I'm not doing it, and John's, I'm sure, not doing it. We're not doing it. There's no personal gain involved. If anything, you you basically risk all your comfort, you know, and, and your position, whatever that may be. But but I wanted uh, Dr. John Hall to come on because we're, we're friends. I, I think he's just the greatest, you know. I wish I was in Texas hanging out. He's got Do horses. <laughs> I, I think John Hall and you guys have a lot in common because you guys have full-time jobs and then you come back and do all this work, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, John's got a full-time job and yet he's still committed to speaking out and writing books. And he really, um, I don't know about like the complete authority, but certainly Dr. John, after his ex-girlfriend, I think, was uh, uh, targeted, you gave her the benefit of the doubt, which is something that most people don't haven't given us. And that that was actually extraordinary, even though it's just something you do for someone you care about, you would think, right? So what Dr. John all did is he uh, started looking into his ex-girlfriend and, you know, they, they had her being watched and they found out, yes, in fact, this was going on. And then it just kind of, I don't know, went from there. But thanks so much for coming on. And now uh, I can turn the table. I can I can turn it over to you and say, "All right, so tell us all about directed energies and how messed up they are, and how the you know it's a war against our mind." Hey, uh, we're, yeah, we're so happy to be on the Stephen Shelley show. <laughs> I know. I'm an ego maniac. I hate myself. For that. I love you, brother. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Just from this community of PIs, and I, I generally do my art shows, my films, anything, my short films. My stuff all addresses either child abuse because my children were, 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 you 
know, involved in all this. My ex-wife, who's more than likely any number of things, including an assassin, absolutely a, a, a call girl, uh, probably part of brownstone operations, stuff like that. So I make my artwork about this stuff, but I do it basically kind of uh, solitary. Um, it's not that I don't like people in the TI community. I do have friends in it. But um, from, from my experience, I mean, it's a relatively new term. It only came into existence around 2005, 2006, I think. And through, through navigating my way through this, I have a tendency just to say, oh, screw it, I'll just go and do my own thing. But with, uh, with, with John and I, we've, we've met through this community. And, you know, we like each other. And, you know, um, there's a matter of factness to both of us where we're not talking about aliens beaming us up to their spaceships and experimenting on us. In other words, we try to stay as grounded as we could be inside of this insanity. And that is the interesting thing with this community is, you know, especially when Steve was in Hollywood and in his heyday and doing a lot of the great movies that he did, our paths would have never crossed. You know, I, I was stuck in, you know, doing medicine and in my rut, he was in his rut. Two vastly different worlds that, you know, unless he had had an injury and was in Texas, probably we'd have never crossed paths and never met. So that is probably one of the only blessing of being in a community like this is finding other like-minded people. And, and he's right, Hollywood and California in general is one of the most targeted states. There are a lot of victims, more so in California than anywhere else, because a lot of the technology resides there. Um, Hollywood uses it as a, as a control issue for a lot of the talent that are there. And there are a lot of successful actors that are going through exactly what Stephen went through. Not many of them have stepped forward to actually, you know, kind of, you know, take the reign as far as activism. He's one of the few. Um, if more of them would come out, that would be great, because as far as getting this public eye with some credibility, you know, those are the guys that are used to being in front of the camera, you know, and are, you know, used to talking to people and they're outgoing and people watch them, you know, it's, and, you know, that's why when I first, you know, got in contact with Steve, I said, you're, you are the person that's perfect for doing this. I'm a doctor in Texas, you know, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I guess, successful in my own small little town down here, but, you know, I, I, I've got no following and people don't know who I am and, you know, they're not going to look on IMDb and see much, even though I, I do some acting. Uh, that's why I've got the beard right now. We're shooting a Western down in Texas. Ordinarily, I'm not, you know, this bushy looking. <laughs> we're, we're, actually, we're doing a, a TV series called Death and Compromise, which is about Texas in the 1850s. Uh, I would love to have Steven in this, too, if he could ever get his butt down here. But, you know, that's why when we hooked up, you know, he's like, ah, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, who's going to listen to me? And I'm like, Everybody's going to listen to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, people do. People do know you, and, and and don't really know anything about your targeting. You know, you've got Quaid. Quaid has been subjected to this. You know, he also fled to Canada. And, and there's some other actors and actresses that have, have been targeted too. But you know, and, and we really need those people to kind of join into the activism because most of those people do have a follow. Yeah. So, uh, so Dr. John, can, can you give us your definition of what targeting? essentially is a continuation of MK Ultra, MK Search, and all of the other programs that were geared at controlling the individual. Um, you know, they spent billions of dollars of MK Ultra, it was 189 sub-projects, 
most of which worked, and, and they exhausted nothing. They did. They left no stone unturned in MK Ultra. Those 189 subprojects were various drugs to manipulate the mind, electrical energy, RF to manipulate the mind. They studied childhood play. They studied uh, adult behavior. They studied everything that makes the human mind work, and it worked. Now they did have the Rockefeller Commission. We found the financial documents. We were able to trace back, you know, thus some of the universities where this was done, and some of the front companies it was done under. But when you have something that works that successfully, you can see the history of where they were headed. When it works, you don't just stop. It just improves as the technology improves, which is what we've got to the point now. And even Delgado, who was one of MK Ultra's most notorious researchers, he's the one who did all the brain implants. He was down at Oxner uh, in New Orleans. He's the guy you see that they implanted a bull and he could flip a button, and, uh, hit a button and make the bull stop from a radio. Oh, yeah. Wow. He also experimented on homosexual men to make them straight and make them attracted to women by brain chipping. Uh, even before he died, he said that all of his chipping experimentation was passe, that everything that he had done with chipping could now be done with what he called transmission or RF-based uh, waves, where Radio. you don't have to chip anybody. And so essentially, they, you know, they've taken the, the experimentees out of the lab and they're now experimenting on society. And as Stephen alluded to in some of our conversations prior, the ultimate goal is to be able to control everyone. You know, we're kind of the subset or the targeted individuals are kind of the subset or the experimentees laying that groundwork. And and honestly, I mean, from, from what we can see, it's, it's pretty successful. And most of these targeted individuals who have been speaking out for 20 years or so, yeah, they were called the tinfoil hat people, and they think their um, their microwave is trying to attack them. And they think all their phone calls and their emails are being read. Well, then we had Snowden, you know, and the and the stuff that Snowden released. They went, oh boy, the conspiracy theorists were right. It's conspiracy fact, not theory. That you know, you they can get your emails. Well, now we've had another trove, and we're going to keep having troves of stuff coming out of WikiLeaks about the CIA. Well, yeah, Vault Seven's been huge actually yeah. for us. Yeah. Everything and then the other thing, that's right. And the other thing you have to admit is even with Snowden and Vault Seven, I was going through stuff in '95. So it, 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 you know, and obviously there's been a lot of other people that had COINTELPRO in the '50s, '60s, and '70s. So it's not new. And Delgado was doing this stuff back what in the '50s, '60s. Uh, you've got a Michael Aquino. I mean, that guy's a monster. Oh, that guy's still walking around. I have no idea. Michael Okita was in the military, right? And uh, he's a and Satanist. And he's a Satanist. That's correct. Right. And so they Satanism in their programming. So there's a lot of overlap, overlapping um, things with targeted individuals. It, it overlaps. And I, I don't know about you, John, but I sometimes wonder if a lot of people that have been targeted were actually part of a... Uh, a like in Canada, a lot of the military bases were taking kids at two and three years old. Um, trauma, trauma-based um, torture included, you know, invaded their anal cavity, and they torture uh, two and three, four-year-old children, uh, and then you create altars, and it's all that stuff that you hear about. Well, it's not BS. I mean, it, it, you know, it happened. I have friends that it happened. But no, it actually, it actually happened there in Fort Worth. Actually, during MKL for Texas Christian University was one of the universities that actually had a program there. And their program was studying twins. 
Um, and they would actually come to people who were behind on their rent, you know, that had kids, specifically had twins, and would say, well, we'll pay off your house or we'll pay your rent for you if you let us experiment on these twins. As a matter of fact, um, Colin Ross, who actually runs the uh, Institute for, for Trauma, Psychiatric Trauma in Dallas and California, had worked with some of these MKUltra victims out of the, I forget the researcher's name, who was working at TCU, but had worked with some of these people, who at least the ones who hadn't committed suicide by adulthood, um, to get them reprogrammed. MKUltra, actually, there were a lot of universities and the Human Ecology Fund and several other front companies were doing a lot of that research. And uh, there had been some really good factual books written on that based on the, the findings from the Freedom of Information Act on exactly where those, those research uh, experiments were done. But yeah, they were done all over, and a lot of it was uh, ritual abuse or trauma abuse, mind control, until they kind of started getting things perfected as far as the brain's susceptibility to extremely low frequency waves. And Michael Persinger, uh, it was one of the main researchers for the Navy who discovered that the brain is very sensitive to ELF. And actually, if you go before him, put off in Tark, who did all the remote. This, sorry, ELF. Extremely okay. low frequency. It's really simple. That's it. That's all that means, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, really it's low very frequency. low frequency. So obviously it flies under the radar as far as, you know, like it's it's a low frequency. So everything. Nothing can block it. Nothing. So really it's, it's anywhere from zero to nine or ten hertz. Nothing can block it. It actually goes through the earth. You, you Naturally, we get extremely low frequency waves after seismic activity. And for a long time, the Russians claimed that remote viewing and remote sensing, which we did a lot of studies on through the military, uh, these are the people who were able to you give them coordinates and they can sit and they can they can bond with that coordinate and tell you what is there. Kind of a, it, it was assumed to be a psychic ability. It turns out that it's actually a function of ELF. But uh, they had said that for a long time, and put off and tarred during their remote sensing and remote viewing experimentations, uh, basically tried to say, no, it's, we, we tested it, and there's no way, no way uh, inclusive of elf wave technology. But more and more you look back on it and where their funding came from, I think the people they were working with that could successfully do that probably weren't psychically gifted. They were probably electronically augmented. Wow. Well, it is. See, that's the thing. It's, 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 but it's, you can try to get into the simplicity of it. And I know that seems weird, but just imagine extremely low frequencies. There's a book written called The Mind Has No Firewall. Okay. So, in other words, these low frequencies can, they perfected it. And what I was going to say is a lot of people that were maybe were MKUltra as kids and they have dissociative identity disorder, which used to be called multiple personality disorder. Well, if they somehow went outside of a flock, let's say they drifted off, let's say they, whatever. Um, I do think some of the targeted individuals are people that are MKUltra and have no idea. I mean, there were so many experiments going on on these military bases in the U.S., Canada, all over, really. Like, they've got, they've had a field day with this stuff. And imagine Vietnam, uh, heroin in body bags. All the trillions they made on illicit drug activity, and now we know about child trafficking, but anything that's an illicit activity where it's hidden money that it's not accountable, 
you're basically funding your black ops. You're basically funding these science projects. And the number one science project, which Dr. John pointed out, is how to control. You don't need weapons when you can figure out how to control how people think. I think even Putin said at one point, whoever controls the fast directed energy weapon will control the world. That's right, yeah. You know, and then Rothschild was famous for saying that thing about banking, which was, I care not who rules the nation, but who controls the money. You know, like, it's one of these things. Like, if, you have, if, I can control, if I'm Dr. Evil and I can, I can control of a massive bank, I mean, really, Hollywood was that, still is to a certain degree, yeah. right? This mass programming tool. Yeah. And it's like, my gosh, can you imagine? I control how a massive bank. And I'm this little Dr. Evil behind my curtain pulling levers. I mean, well, and Michael, per Michael Persinger did most of the elf wave technology research for the Navy. He did it at Laurentian University. And uh, even he said in the late 80s, after inventing what he called his God helmet, and this was basically a helmet, he could put it on you, put you in an isolated room, stimulate the brain, the right parts of the brain with the right frequency of ELF, and these people would either think they were abducted by aliens, or think they were personally in the presence of God. That's why they called it the God helmet. But either way, they thought they were not alone in the room, that there was a presence with them. So he, he titled it the God helmet. He continued experimenting with elf waves on the brain. And then even he said in the late 80s that he could probably control every mind on the planet using ELF. That's how sensitive the brain is to it. That's why whenever there's an earthquake, you would tend to see a, a, a bunch of UFO sightings. And it's not because probably they were really UFOs, but it was the, the Earth generating elk waves from the seismic activity that was influencing the people's minds that were in the area where there was a spike in elk waves. Well, and then there's no, you know, that's why you saw the invention of HARP, high-altitude auroral project in Canada. It's an ionospheric heater. It's, it's one function in life is to bombard the ionosphere with radio waves. The ionosphere heats up, forms a buckle, and slams down ELF at the Earth, which can be directed. So it, it, they said it was a tool for over-the-horizon radar. It's actually a tool to generate elf waves um, because they have figured out that elf waves, for one, can't be blocked. There's no way to block them. They go right through the Earth, and that they, they interact with the human mind. So once they figured that out, then they figured out ways to direct those beams, modulate those beams, and then get the human brain to entrain whatever patterns they needed to entrain to display whatever symptoms. And the way I basically interview and tell people about it is, is imagine having a, a catalog of EEG waveforms, brainwave waveforms that you have. One of them is for, let's say, sadness. One of them's for grief. One of them's for anxiety. One of them's for for madness or anger. Well, if I take your EEG and heterodyne it to match one of these, display one of these symptoms and beam it back at you, your brain will entrain that elf wave signal. And then slowly your EEG will become that, that waveform and then you'll display those symptoms. Um, now that's not the same as voice to skull. That's how you control someone you know, mentally, have you ever, and one of the other ways I'll put it is, have you ever had one of those days where you're kind of feeling in a blah mood, you're not depressed, you're not down, the sun's out, it's not a sad day, but you're just, you know, 
work, you just don't feel like working, you don't feel like doing much of anything. Well, if you talk to everybody around you, have you ever noticed everybody feels that way that day? You know, there's probably a reason for that. Wow. Wow, that's this is pretty fascinating stuff. It is fascinating. Yes, sir. Not so sure on that. Yeah. I think CERN for me anyways, when I start looking at the underground projects, the trillions of dollars, DARPA, all the experimentation, and I mean, you know, they're having a field day, right? They're, they're, they're going nuts. These are some people. I'm not saying all this. Everything's compartmentalized. So you've got good scientists. You've got good people inside, but they don't know what the big picture is. And then you get into something like CERN, which is, I mean, it's so, it's not even, it's, it's overtly you know, evil. And uh, CERN, CERN ties in with it only because it's an extension of all this, uh, you know, um, pulling the veil, getting into any kind of power, anything to control people. And in the case of CERN, perhaps even, uh, you know, trying to break down the veil of uh, other dimensions and things like that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not even sure the scientists know what's going to happen with CERN. Well, yeah, it's a loose cannon. It's, a, it's, a, it's like unlocking a, yeah, it's like unlocking the greatest, biggest, hugest nuclear weapon and not really knowing what you're going to do to cap it. Right. I mean, yeah, there's no, but, but transhumanism, um, you know, I did a video game, John. Do you remember I didn't did see any of that stuff and they just tore, tore me apart uh, and I wouldn't do another one because I found out about two or three months into it, I came home and I said, Kim, you're not going to believe this. I play a guy that owns this transhumanist, like, you know, major corporation. They augment people. And, you know, the, the, the transhumanists will always argue that it's in the, we're doing this for the betterment of mankind. I mean, they always pull that one, right? Well, it's not for the betterment of mankind. Transhumanism is just flat out dangerous, and it's basically aligning humans and AI. And uh, so, anyway, I've been outspoken about the transhumanist thing. But it does tie in, because if I'm already working on, let's say in my DARPA lab, I'm already working on experimenting with, with you know, innocent housewives, you know, on how to, how to make them bark like a dog, how to make them hear voices, how to make them, you know, because you, you honestly can control someone's moods, and the person owns that mood. Because, you know, if we're regular, relatively normal people, and you wake up and you feel really anxious and depressed, your natural inclination is to go, I own that. I woke up feeling like that. Yeah. I really have no self-esteem. Yeah. I feel really bad about myself. You're not going to sit there and go, oh, this is probably being done to me. I have so many questions. So if it's a low frequency, you can also listen to like a 528 hertz or something like that. Would that combat it at all? Yeah, you're right. I think there are frequencies, right, John, that do help. I know my yeah, son would, listen, would listen to certain frequencies. Yeah. One of the things that we've been fighting this with is actually manipulating the to reprogram it back down to 7.8 to 8 hertz, which is typically kind of where your mind likes to rest. It's called a Schumann resonance. That's um, it. And one of the things that we have been working successfully with some targets with is basically putting them on a binaural beat program yeah. that they use at night through earphones. Yeah. Um, in, in kind of reprogramming is the way the way heterodyning works is there's a particular waveform in the in the brain waves that has to be there for them to target at least it was in the past now this is evolving technology 
and the minute you find something that works to combat it, you know, they'll find something to get past your defense. Uh, a lot of people are working on shielding, you know, even even well-made research anechoic chambers or Faraday cages don't block everything. Uh, and certainly shielding, I know a lot of victims are really concentrating on shielding. But if you're walking around in your suit that blocks out all the radio waves, that's going to land you on a psychiatrist. <laughs> Just the same as talking about being stalked or... How, how well does that work out for people, John? Tell these guys how well it works out if, let's say, not, well, let's say five years ago, someone goes to the psychiatrist and says, this is what I'm experiencing. Yeah, typically, the, you'll either get a schizophrenic diagnosis or you'll get a delusional disorder, more than likely, diagnosis. And, and just so you know, from a psychiatrist's point of view, the way you diagnose delusional disorder Basically, you tell the psychiatrist the story. If it seems plausible, you're okay. If it seems implausible, then you're delusional. And, and I even had a psychiatrist friend of mine explain it to me. He goes, well, if we had a CIA agent come in saying, I think people are following me, well, then, you know, then he's probably, they're, they're not going to call him delusional. He's in an occupation that, that stands to reason that that would happen. Now, if Kim came in there and, you know, and said, oh, I think I'm, I'm being followed and people are trying to get at me and blah, blah, blah you're going to get the, well, why you? And that's what all targeted individuals. Why would people be spending this kind of money on following you and doing this to you? Well, it's the same thing they asked the victims of the radiation experiments in New Mexico and Arizona during the 50s and 40s, 50s and 60s. You know, that's the same thing they asked the victims of clouds of, of radiation and bacteria that were floated over major cities to see how many people would get thyroid cancer and how many people would get influenza. That's the same thing that they asked the parents of the children at Willowbrook School when they were injecting them with hepatitis virus to try to create a hepatitis vaccine. Bottom line is there are no laws in the United States that prevent the government from experimenting on the public. None is that unreal? Hmm? Is that unreal? Great back. There are no laws. But most people don't realize that we are being experimented on. If we bring this to life, what are the chances there may be? Well, there, John Glenn, when he was a senator, he did try to pass legislation making informed consent a necessity for any experimentation funded by the government. Congress shot it down. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Obama held the Bioethics Commission hearings. There were I six mentioned of them, Andy, yeah. And, and there were, uh, and that was after the press, the media exposed another Tuskegee experiment type of situation where we were experimenting on. Uh, prisoners and people in Nicaragua with weaponized syphilis and gonorrhea. Well, when that got exposure and Hillary Clinton had to give them a big public apology, he called for the bioethics commissions. I spoke at one of those commission hearings, and uh, they sat a bunch of uh, government apologists, you know, who were uh, uh, ethics people from Rice, Harvard, and from Yale, and Amy Gutman was the doctor, the PhD that was in charge of it. And I will tell you this, every one of those six meetings, they had a public forum. Every one of those public forums had over a thousand people in the public forum waiting to get their half minute to speak. And every single person at every meeting that got up and spoke voiced directed energy weapons attack, surveillance technology exposure, uh, and, uh, and, and being stalked uh, with this type of technology. There were no other complaints. I mean, over a thousand at each one. And at the end of the day, when her letter came out and they, they compiled all the data, 
in which their sole goal was to determine if any ongoing experimentation was going on here or abroad using government money that was non-consensual. And at the end of the day, they said, no, we have no convincing evidence that there's any non-consensual experimentation ongoing. That's after a thousand people at each one of those meetings voiced those complaints. Guys, what, what is the end game objective here? Because um, our air is being poisoned, our water is being poisoned, our food is being poisoned, we have direct energy uh, that attacks. Uh, it seems like that there's a full onslaught attack on human beings. If there is. I mean, so what is the end game objective of these, these nuts? Well, Dr. Evil and his gang, and they were experimenting a lot of us. A lot of us were, in fact, whistleblowers. But, you know, just listening to Dr. John talk, and I was invited also to the Bioethics Committee hearing. I didn't go because, quite honestly, I've been in it so long at that point. I'm like, you know what? Probably nothing's going to come of this, and I'm going to waste all this money going down to Washington and then later New York. And, you know what, I just don't have the heart for it. I'll make some art about it instead or something. You know, that's just my way, right? And, you know, sure enough, nothing got done. Now, just imagine that whatever minority, whatever group you might belong, like whoever you are inside of this world and you belong and you somehow find yourself, you're Armenian or you're this or you're that. Well, imagine these people that are targeted individuals. And they've been fighting for years to convince their family and friends that something's going on. They can prove it through certain. They've got, you know, they've got, they've got uh, photographs of burn marks on their bodies from being burned from electromagnetic weapons. Whatever it is, they've got a little bit of proof. To, but they have no reason to make up a story that's going to annihilate their life. So they get together and the bioethics committee hearing thing comes up. And they're like, finally, we're going to have a voice. And, and we're going to do the right thing. We're going to make them do the right thing. So they go to these things. And, of course, uh, nothing gets resolved. It doesn't even get acknowledged by this Amy Goopman or whatever her name is. So when I, I told these guys, John, that, you know, because they're involved also in Pizzagate. And there was a scathing article written about Pizza Pedogate in the New York Times, Washington Post. And I'm like, well, of course there is. Because in the summer, John was doing a lot of work in different areas. And actually, uh, the targeted individual community, thanks in large part to John, was actually getting some, and it, you know, what an awful life, right? You spend your whole life trying to have a little tiny bit of believability and credibility. But you're not a liar. You're not making any of it up. And there's thousands of other people just like you. But so John was making some uh, inroads, or we all were. We felt like it, right? It's like you can sense it. And then the New York Times does this article on targeted individual. And whether this guy's a real TI or not, I don't know. But they chose as their poster boy this poor guy that sits in his mom's basement with, you know, tinfoil on the ceiling, you know. And seriously, this kind of hair. Oh my God! Oh. Oh. And they interviewed John, but, you know, it was obviously just a, um, you know, a, um, you know, a, a, a it, it, was, job. it was a hit job. I mean, the guy, yeah. the guy was hired to basically discredit the whole movement and kind of basically introduced me as the Pied Piper of a bunch of crazy folks who think they're being experimented on. And they're the good Samaritan itself. You, know, you know, guys, I'm completely on board with what you're saying, and I completely agree with what you're saying. 
So, you know, once again, the question is, uh, and, I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, what is the end game here? Uh, because we know that there's chemtrails. We know about what's in the vaccinations. We know that they have fluoride in the water. All right. We know about the, the uh, Monsanto. And so, I, you know, really, I mean, what is your guys, you know, what do you think is going on here? I think the end game is to control the global population. And as conspiratorial as it sounds, um, you know, we're going to need a, you know, a, people always need a boogeyman to be controlled. And basically, they're going to figure out whatever boogeyman that we need as a human race to basically have a one world government to control the way the population thinks and votes. So they're never out of power again. And you can see that now with what we've got in, in our political system in the United States. We had eight years of failed progressive liberal policies, and they thought that was going to continue on forever, that they would never lose again. Well, now there's a semi-outsider who wasn't a career politician in, and they're just going nuts, you know, because they thought it was never going to end. And what I've said forever, people said, well, you know, you know, the, the Democratic Party, the party of the people, those should be the people that we could actually, you know, get more done with. I'll be honest, I've talked to a lot of government people, a lot of politicians, I've never fucked with Republicans and Libertarians as far as getting them to understand this, the ethics behind it, the believability of it. Feinstein, Pelosi, all of these California senators, victims have sent them letter after letter after letter, and what they get back is a letter recommending they see a psychiatrist. Uh, the, the Democratic Party is not the party of JFK anymore. It's an extension of the Socialist Party, and they need control measures more than anyone else to keep that going because most of us that work for a living and pay tax don't want socialism and certainly, and so, certainly don't want to lose American sovereignty to a one-world type of government that the U.S. So you're saying that this type of low-frequency way that can be sent out and done 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 CIA has versions of it. When I wrote my first book and second book, I have contacts within the CIA. All of that was verified. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, one of my friends in the CIA said, this is a weapon for use abroad. It's not supposed to be used in the United States. And we've had other world leaders, Noriega, when he was caught, complained of hearing voices and being attacked by directed energy. Other world leaders that found themselves on the wrong side of the stick with our government have also complained about it. It's not just your everyday folks that are complaining of it, although they make up the bulk of the experimentees because they have no way to explain it. They don't have the educational background to understand it in most cases. So they're online every day looking for every little thing they can, and a lot of it's wrong or misinformation that they're finding to, to try to describe it, which makes them look even crazy. Right, because here's the thing. See, when you get hit with this stuff, or if you're targeted in any way, I call it lunging because I think our, 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 our brain wants to understand information. So what happens is, and the consequence is, you're trying to find the bad guy. And you go back and you rack your brain. I mean, I do it almost every single damn morning. I'll wake up. I'll wake up with a new epiphany about who was behind it. It was due south. It was Robert Lantos. He stole a treatment I wrote, you know. Like almost every single morning, I'll wake, and I can't control that. Like I'm in a sleep, I'm in sleep mode, right? So 
I'm going to wake up, oh, I'm going to wake up, and I don't heavily medicate myself to sleep or anything like that because I refuse to go that route. But you're always trying to understand who the boogeyman is. And unfortunately, with a lot of people that get hit with this, whether it's COINTELPRO or directed energy, whatever targeting they're, they're subjected to, uh, you, wait, they, they, you waste your life. What a waste of a life. Yeah. You waste your yeah. life trying to overanalyze what you, like, I was rude to that waitress once at Pizza Hut. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. You waste your life trying to make sense of an, of an insane, you know, situation. And sometimes people are just randomly fit. Yeah. I, I, mostly been, and that's why the title of my second book is called Guinea Pig, Technologies of Control. Wow. The majority of these people, and now there are the whistleblowers, and I've worked with a lot of them that have, have got on the wrong side of the NSA or the CIA or the National Geospatial Agency. But by and large, it, it's, you know, it's housewives, doctors, lawyers, artisans, you know, shopkeepers, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a sample of the general population, and there's no other reason other than the fact that they were at the right, wrong place at the right time and became a guinea pig of the state. So, so they pick somebody, and then they observe them, as far as what they're doing. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But, but long before you ever hear voices or get attacked by weaponry, they've already watched yeah. you, picked you out, they know where you work, they know who your That's loved right. ones are, they know who you're going to turn to for help. They know who to control, so they don't believe you, despite the amount of evidence that you have. Ultimately, the goal is to get you in front of a psychiatrist, get you diagnosed, so you're completely discredited, and you can sit at home and be a guinea pig. Guys, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, okay, and, and I started with this before, but there's so many questions popping in my head. Yeah, so yeah. The, the low <laughs> I know, it's a tough subject, it's, man. It's you guys crazy. are brave. No, it's you guys are brave to take... It's actually not... It is a It's a fascinating subject, yeah. which we could probably talk about this for two days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I still not understand it all. Yeah. Like, did you say, what's the end game? Well, it's control how we think. Well, how about they also get pleasure from torturing innocent people? There you go. I mean, there's women that comp complain that they're being sexually stimulated, and it's against their will. Well, who's going to believe that woman? Yeah. You know, no one. It's, it's this sick game that no one's going to believe you. I know personally they've loved ridiculing me, and they take me the kind of wild guy, Hollywood actor guy, um, and, and just strip them of everything, and they enjoy it. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're not dealing well, with You know, as, as, far as, as far as the sexual stimulation of women, too, you know, that's not just in the hands of the, the victims. If you look at the releases about what the NSA was doing. The NSA got their hands slapped for a lot of their, their officers were using the technology afforded them by the NSA to actually spy on their ex-wives, their girlfriends, when yeah. they would meet at the supermarket. Yeah. And, and it was happening so frequently that in the NSA, they call it love in, yeah. L-O-V-E-I-N-T, love intelligence. And, wow. and, and, and so Feinstein, who sits on the intelligence committee, Senate Intelligence Committee said, well, we're going to get to the bottom of it, and this is unacceptable, and of course you never heard anything about it again. As a matter of fact, every single Democratic congressman, Senate and House up there, voted against oversight of the NSA. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. You know, when you give a person that much power and then expect them to do the right thing, well, it doesn't happen. Okay, is every single person, there's nobody that can 
be immune to this or can be safe from this. Is that what I'm hearing? No, I don't know. That's drawn. I don't know. So you literally. I mean, on one way or another, if you get targeted one way or another, I mean, how are you immune to someone sitting outside your house? How are you immune to lying in bed and getting zapped? I mean, you know, how are you immune? I don't know. You've got a special DNA that's got, I don't know, R chromosome something. Or I don't know. Uh, how are you immune? It's like someone completely insults you and pokes you with a stick constantly. And when you look around, you can't catch them poking you with a stick. I think, I think the scary part. It's going to drive you nuts. I think the scary part is that you guys are saying that it doesn't even have to be for a reason that you're a whistleblower. They will just pick random people. And that's right. And experiment on them. And that's I think that's why John's spoken out. And I know it's why about four or five years ago I started doing, or six, seven years ago, more uh, interviews. Just because, yeah, you've got innocent people. That someone's getting their yayas, they're getting off, actually, uh, you know, doing this, uh, experimenting on some housewife in Nebraska. So the best way to describe it is that there are groups at every major city that are typically they're functioning as private investigators, but they still hold clearances. Usually they're former FBI or former CIA or former NSA working as private investigators that are allowed access to the technology and have carte blanche reign over however they want to use it to target whoever, as long as the data gets back to the appropriate agencies. So what you see is you'll see a PI group in Palm Springs that's targeting gay men. You'll see a group here in San Antonio, Texas, that's mostly using it for sexual assault. That's what my first book was about. The girl that, that I wrote about was being drugged and being basically used as a sex slave. They were drugging her with hypnol. Men were paying money to rape her. Then you have a, a group in Florida that maybe is using it for corporate espionage. The group here also advertises use for corporate espionage. Well, when you take all of those groups of people from all the major cities, even though it's being done, it's, you know, carte blanche by the group allowed access to technology. When you compile that population together, you have a pretty broad subset that, that mimics the general population, you know, which is really what they're looking for at the top. And the reason they're doing that is, as you know, you know about the Rockefeller Commission, they found all the financial documents. That's what actually led us to know what we do know about MKL. Well, they're being sure that doesn't happen again. So instead of it being done directly by government agents that are actually under the employ of the government, other than in cases of whistleblowers where it is being done that way, the majority of it is being done by subcontractors. Well, you know, we're living in a time right now that the, uh, the trust of the government is probably at the lowest it has ever been. Uh, you guys are coming out with this information at a very good time because people are actually believing in me right now as we're coming out with the story. No longer is this conspiracy. You know, WikiLeaks, uh, it's, it's true. WikiLeaks has shown that this is true. CIA is complicit in all of things that you guys are talking about right now. So, uh, and then when I get articulate guys like you to speak up yeah. like this, it really uh, adds to the credibility of this story. Yeah. Have there ever been lawsuits? Has anybody ever found out and tried to bring up a lawsuit? Thousands. Really? Thousands. Yeah. All around the world. Some of them are former NSA agents. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, we investigated ourselves and we found ourselves not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's the problem with targeting is people always ask me, well, there's got to be a lawyer 
that can help me. Well, for one, lawyers can only deal with the tangible. And, you know, and, and even as, you know, my, my case, the girl that I helped here, you know, the, the SAPD people, the sex crime unit, they had no problem with believing me. I was doing their anesthesia. You know, matter of fact, the lieutenant in charge of their, their department, I had such a sleeper surgery a number of times. He had no problem believing the story. What we were left with, he said, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove in court. And there's no way to adequately measure or be able to prove that you're being hit by invisible waves. Right. Dr. John can get into the whole clinical thing of it. You know, like, you can go there, right, John? Yeah. It's just that it's, I, I want, like, I want a lay person that's never been, let's say some guy turns in to watch your show, and they're just barely getting their head around 9-11, possibly being an inside job. Uh, like any of us, I don't think John, I certainly was never, I was an Hollywood actor guy. I helped out homeless people. I let them sleep in my backyard. If they didn't, you know, like, but I wasn't like gung-ho on any kind of conspiracy. I wasn't looking for a conspiracy. And so I imagine someone like that, and you know, that, that really has never been exposed to much of anything. And they're listening to us today. And they're, you know, I'm trying to make it palatable that like getting targeted, it's like everyone, a lot of people go through divorces. Divorces don't last long. I mean, marriages don't last like they used to. What is it? 50% of marriages end in divorce at least now, right? Yeah. And in divorce court, the wife or the husband, they make all these horrible accusations and it's terrible and, and, and you have lawyers and you get through it. Well, imagine you have a lifetime, 20 years of being accused by this, but all these different people, but you never get a face, you never find out what they've said. It's like you're fighting against this invisible enemy and they're constantly calling you mentally ill and crazy. So, sorry. You know, it's an awful, the targeted individual thing, really, it's not really, it, that part of it's not really been dealt with too much. It's like, you know, yeah, we go through this. And yes, whether it's directed energy, whether it's COINTELPRO targeting, whatever it might be, but it's a psychological breakdown of right. you. And you're on defensive. And you see it online when shills come in or trolls. And they say all these horrible, nasty things. And you can say it's all ad hominem arguments. They call you fat. They call you ugly. They call you stupid. Yeah. You know, you know, like, but it's got nothing to do with what you, what the task is at hand, like what you're actually trying to address, right? But it's all these insults. Well, imagine that you're a single individual and you go through this and your family, your friends, your career, everything's affected by it. And yet you have no defense against it. Because, like John said, how do you improve it? How do you improve this little stuff that's going on? How do you improve, you know, I mean, how do you prove that, you know? So you're, you're all, like, that psychological makeup, but, like, that's why I use humor. Because otherwise, I just want to cry half the time. Yeah, okay. much yeah, I got to keep, I know I want to keep fighting. And when I get a friend like John, who knows about the, the ins and outs of certainly the directed energy weapons and how all that stuff was developed, the patents that were developed. The patents were developed years ago, by the way. This is not new technology. Excuse me, like I said, it's imagine Tesla. And he's got a death in the Second World War. Yugoslavia doesn't want it. Britain doesn't want it. America doesn't want it. They just want to keep the war machine going. But they don't use Tesla's technology. Then Tesla dies, they keep him alive, alive as long as 
they can so they can siphon his information from him. Yeah, milk him for everything he's worth. And uh, Tesla dies broke in a hotel room. Yes, Meanwhile, all this stuff that's going on, a lot of it has been an extension of what Tesla was working on many years ago. So if Tesla was working on this stuff all these years ago and dealing with the ionosphere and dealing with energies and what, you know, like if Tesla, and I think Tesla was a good guy that wanted us all to have free electricity. I mean, I think Tesla's heart was in the right place. So imagine if they find this genius, you know, Tesla, they steal all his stuff. Do you really think, knowing what you know now, that they just take all the information and all the developments that Tesla made, and it's like, oh, well, we won't bother um, spending any money or time developing yeah. any of this stuff Tesla worked on. Of course. Yeah. You know, the Nazis, a lot of this is an extension of, of stuff that Tesla tapped into mm-hmm. 90 years ago. They're right. not going to leave that alone. Right. Now, you know, Dr. John, how, how did you first find out I had heard a little bit about it from some of my CIA contacts and people I knew within government, so I, I kind of knew the technology was there. Uh, I, you know, I really didn't get into the activism until I actually had an ex, ex-fiance come to me. We had already broken up. She came to me after we had broken up and said, you're the only person I can confide into with this. You know, I've got people following me that I don't know everywhere, and I'm hearing voices and being attacked by something. So. You know, I said, well, she goes, is that possible and me not be crazy? And you'd be surprised how many people actually, you know, send themselves to a psychiatrist and going, well, I'm hearing people talk to me and I'm feeling things happening to me. And either it's demons or angels or, or I'm nuts. And, uh, and of course, the psychiatrist goes, oh, no, no, you're, you're nuts. You know? yeah. But, you know, people with true mental illness usually don't seek help. Schizophrenics don't go right. out of the way to seek help. Um, and schizophrenics develop in the late teens, early 20s. I just 20s. want to add that. So at 38 years old, a guy like me doesn't suddenly develop schizophrenia. It would be really extreme if that happened, right? Yeah. And that's the other thing. And, and schizophrenia and mental, mental illness, it, it improves with medication. Targeting doesn't. Right. You know, and that's another big distractor. But this girl came to me and I said, you know what? Yes, there's technology that can do that. I don't know why it would be getting used on you. I mean, I was... You know, like any other doctor that would tell a, a targeted individual now, I was the same way. I was like, why you? I mean, you, you show apartments for a living. You're not the head of a corporation. You're, you're politically inactive. She didn't even vote. She wasn't affiliated with either side. You know, you're, I mean, but, but she was attractive, and that was the main thing, as it turns out. But so I said, you know what, give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's wire up your condo, and let's see if somebody's following you. So... We put uh, voice-activated recorders in her condominium. I had other people counter-surveilling her. And indeed, she was being followed everywhere she went by a former FBI agent who works as a private investigator in San Antonio, Texas. Mm. And we wrote down all the plate numbers, all of the plate numbers following her team back to the same agency. They advertise corporate espionage. He's the go-to guy that you go to if you're going through a divorce and you want to make your wife look crazy so she can't get custody of the kids and you don't have to pay child support. Yeah, man. This guy, and he breaks into the house, he gets her hearing voices, he attacks her with stuff. So she's calling the police every day, claiming that, that she's getting attacked by the waves and that she's hearing voices and that it's all a setup and they're trying to make her look crazy. And indeed, 
it makes her look crazy, and she can't get custody, and the guy doesn't have to pay child support. He's been doing this in San Antonio for years. It's basically a, a weapon of rich folks to pay him, but he has access to that technology through his clearance, and he hired nothing but his close relatives. So it's a private investigator owned by that is former FBI, owned by former FBI, with a son that's a lieutenant colonel in the DOD, and a bunch of other relatives that he hired. There are no non-relatives working for him. And they do the stalking. They do the satellite-based, you know, um, control. And what happened with her is they were breaking into her condo, putting Rohypnol in her bottled water and food stuff. And then they would, they would basically subliminally control her to drink and eat where they put the Rohypnol. They rented condos on either side of her condo and would wait until she was in a drug state and then break in and sexually assault her. And once they knew that I knew this was going on, because I knew their vehicles, they started showing up in cabs, which is, you know, if any of you have been to San Antonio, unless you're in downtown San Antonio around the Riverwalk, you never see a cab one here. You know, we're a long, spread out. And everyone's got a car. Everybody's got a car here. Nobody uses cabs. Well, all of a sudden, there's three or four yellow cabs a night coming into her place. And if they saw me there, they would pull on off and leave. You know, if, I, if they thought I was leaving, they would sit in the parking lot and wait. And that's how they were bringing these men who were basically paying money to sexually assault her once they have her drugged up. So once I saw that, when we went to the police, the police had no problems believing us. They said, we'll investigate. Well, and they did find that she was being stalked. Now, they, there's nothing they could do about the way she was being controlled because there's nothing tangible to present that in court. This was in 2000. Stalking laws in Texas were pretty negligible. Well, now we do have strong stalking laws that do cover that. If you're followed by the same person twice, you can get a restraining order. You no longer have to wait until you've been injured. Well, the reason those laws change is because of two cases, ours and another one that I worked with where there was a girl who actually complained about stalking and actually had her stalkers came to her house, held her at gunpoint, made her slit her wrist, and leave a suicide note. Well, when she told the doctors and the police this, they said, well, you're just severely depressed. You're looking for an excuse for you trying to kill yourself, and you need mental help. Well, two months later, her stalker shot her in the neck in the parking lot of the work and killed her. So then that all came. Finally, that was, her name was Christy Appleby, if you, if you want to look that up in, in Texas news. Well, those two cases got the stalking law in Texas in about 2014, which was a little late. To help with the, the girl that I had to help with, but yeah, there there was no question who was doing her stalking. There was no question that the directed into weapons and the remote technology they were using on her. Absolutely no question. But in the end of the day, you know what the police said is the only thing we can come after him for is stalking. We have essentially no stalking laws. You know she was drugged with rohypnol. Doesn't remember the sexual assault. She thought they were nightmares. So basically, we're going to have to go after him for stalking you, meaning me. Because by that time, they were following me back and forth from her place to my place and you know, destroying my vehicles and actually they shot up your car, didn't they? Shot up my car, took the bolts out of the hood latch of my truck. The hood blew up on me going down the highway and shot up my bedroom uh, with me in it. So, uh, and they still basically, the, the feeling that I got from the police was this guy's former FBI. He stalks people for a living. That's what he does. We don't have stalking laws to really go after him and to do any good. It's not what you know, it's what you can prove. 
So at that point, that's when I decided to change the name, write this whole story in a book to get basically public, public exposure of a problem, not knowing that the first time, first radio show I did for this book literally filled up my email memory on my server. I had 6,000 emails in one night wow. after doing George Norrie's Coast to Coast with people wow. saying, this is happening to me in Maine. This is happening to me in Toronto. This is happening to me in Japan. This is happening to me in California. And it turned out to be a global thing. So try like Stephen says, you don't choose to be in this fight. The fight chooses you. Right. you know, I never sat out to spearhead the motion, you know, uh, uh, the movement against for targeted individuals. It, I, I, I wrote a book to try to expose a local problem, and it turns out to be a global one. Wow. It sounds like we're living in North Korea on steroids right now, to be honest with you. I mean, this is... Uh, you know, America is supposed to be the land of freedom, and uh, this isn't supposed to happen here, but it is happening here. And uh, I know a lot of people are uh, discouraged because they know what's going on, and they want Trump to do something about it. But I tried telling people that this has been going on for so long, this is so deep, it's so corrupt, it's so expansive in the government right now, that if Trump is for real, he has to tread lightly with all of this, he's got to do it strategically. Because I don't know what his plan is. I mean, I worry about him and Trump Tower. I'm sure he's been informed that this technology is in existence. What do you think, Dr. Sure. John? Like, I'm the guy sure. has to know. Yeah. But how's he going to firewall himself? Like, how's yeah. he going to protect him? I don't know, you know? Um, he's got experts, obviously, around him that know that this exists. But, yeah, it's a very nefarious, sneaky... I mean, they've all been working on it. I, I like Putin. That's just me. But maybe Putin's, Putin's also, he knows about this stuff. That's that quote, you know? Yeah, um, yeah whoever controls the best-directed energy weapons will control the world. That apparently came from Putin. Now, you can cross-reference and see if that's, back, you know, coming from him. But still, it's like, my gosh, like, this directed energy weapon, like, you know, you're controlling how people think. They, they do it with Hollywood. They do it with the movies. They do it with the video games. When you focus in on one or one person, you can actually um, make me wake up every morning feeling anxious and depressed and suicidal. I'm not saying that's the case with me. I'd certainly never admit to suicide. Because that's a boo-boo, right? But, like... Yeah, um, but but if, if someone can affect my moods, and I, you know, John, I don't know if you know this, but I really make a conscious effort not to uh, concentrate or buy into um, directed energy weapons being used against me. Kim and I both know I've gone through it. I mean, you know, it's evident. But I just try to make a conscious effort not to try to give that, like, I believe in God. I'm a Christian, and uh, and I do ultimately. If you say, "What's the end goal?" Man, the end goal is this: like we're in a spiritual battlefield. That's really it. That's essentially it. Like, you know. And so I personally make a choice of trying to pray on this stuff and not give it, um, not give it too much energy. Yeah. Because I see people around me that really get caught up. It's not their fault, but paranoia is kind of a natural reaction to do any of this stuff. Not only that, but anger, suppressed depression, or suppressed anger, which turns into depression. Because 
you're constantly fighting this uphill battle of trying to be believed, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's never really been looked at, I don't know of, inside the TI community. It's like, what a crappy place to be in. Like, you know how hard I have to fight and try to have an art show or get a film out or do anything? It's like, I've got this invisible thing shutting down everything I try. If I do get any attention, I'm immediately attacked. It's almost always at home and I'm stuff. I'm insane. I'm crazy. It's like, you know, you think, well, yeah, okay, listen, how's this? I'm crazy, but I'm creative. Is that okay? Is that palatable for you? No, you're insane. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, so you're always at these people. I'm stronger than a lot of people, but you're always at, at war with, like, you know, this invisible, uh, uh, you know, entity that's trying to, like, tear you to pieces and that that you know i don't care how strong you are it's it really wears on you how well did your ex-girlfriend share john well i mean we actually had to change her name and move her uh i don't even know where she is now i mean the honest truth is luckily i eventually got her parents to believe her which they didn't believe her until they saw that the condo was being repainted overnight and stuff was being reconstructed in her condo because they had low-tech technology buried in her condo as well. I mean, when you're, when you're doing stuff to get actually, you know, uh, video footage of, of rape, you know, you can't get that using thermal imaging. You need low-tech cameras buried in the walls and things. When they finally discovered that what she was saying was true, luckily she had a father that had military connections, was a former colonel in the military, and they actually got her name changed and got her moved out of San Antonio. Uh, my point is this, she didn't do anything to deserve this. No, she no. showed apartments for a living. No, exactly. You know, uh, I, I got to commend both of you because you're doing a tremendous service to a lot of people that thought that they were crazy for a very long time. And for you to guys to come, to come out and tell your stories like this uh, is going to help many, many people. Um, we've, uh, it, it, this has happened with CPS cases. And, uh, and child molestation cases, and now uh, targeting cases, okay? Because there's a lot of targeting, uh, that people that have been targeted that don't want to, that didn't want to tell their story previously because they didn't want people to think that they were nuts. So, you know, you guys are doing a great service right now, and, and I applaud both of you. I, I just, I'm curious, uh, do you think that politicians uh, are being manipulated with any of this kind of stuff, or do you think that they are uh, excluded? They're too inside the circle. I know what's going on. They absolutely no, I think would be exposed to it. If you're a good politician, if you're actually one of the good guys, it's this invisible, invisible weapon. You don't think they're going to use it against some some politician that actually has like backbone and, and is telling the truth and believes in like helping his constituents and and doing the right thing, I mean, that guy's the enemy, right? So they're going to go after that guy. And that's, you know, I, you know, we don't even know what the what, what any of those stats are. And, and well, I they, they, they do know it exists. Because Dennis Kucinich actually wrote a bill called the State Preservation Bill. Oh, yeah, and right. The initial wording in that bill specifically addressed psychotronic weaponry, that weaponry with the ability to control people's minds or control people's moods or alter their mood states. And all of that writing was taken out of the bill to the Congress 
which it got shot down anyway because I don't know. If I'll take it. This is a recording. Space initiative to non to, for non weaponization of space, and the the U.S. was the only major country with a space program that wouldn't sign it. So uh, the Russians signed it, the Chinese signed it, the Israelis signed it, but but the U.S. wouldn't sign basically a treaty agreeing for the non-weaponization of space. And if you look, if anybody gets a copy of that original space preservation bill that Kucinich wrote, it is in black and white that he knew exactly what weapons are on a space-based, satellite-based platform. They were all in there initially. Was that, yes. sorry, was that during the Obama administration? That they no, that was... That was prior to the Obama administration. Uh, I, I can think of very few uh, more nefarious things uh, that a government can do than to mess with somebody's mind. Seriously. I mean, and they've been doing it for a very long time. I'm actually amazed that we're as healthy as we are. And I don't just mean TIs. I mean, uh, I, I mean, like, you know, America, Canada, like the, the general public. We've actually held together pretty well, considering they've employed almost everything to control us and mess us up. And yet still there's people with bad there's people with a sense of right and wrong, there's people with a sense of morality without it being, you know, a corny morality. Like, you know, there are some things, there are a lot of decent people, and there's a lot of people that, like, look at me, look at Dr. John, like, we're still here, right? You know what I mean? Like, I still have a sense of right and wrong. Yeah. That hasn't, they, they've tried everything, but that hasn't been, uh, you know, put into question. I still have a sense of right and wrong. Like, they, it's it's almost like they can't take that away. And it's the only criticism. There's a guy called uh, Dr. Robert Duncan that's done extensive work and all this stuff. But sometimes Dr. Duncan or Robert Duncan can get a little bit like, oh, you know, there's no hope. They control everything. There's nothing we can do. Well, I say no. There is something we can do. We can all, you know, we can all be in our own little, put on our own little, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, spiritual warfare outfit. And like, you know, we're responsible for ourselves and we can't engage in this spiritual warfare. The end game, I guess, it has to be the spiritual warfare. I don't know, you know. Well, if, know. You look, if you look at the way most of these other experimentation protocols ended, It'll be 40 years after we started voicing complaints about this. There'll be somebody with big enough media exposure that will expose, oh my God, they really were experimenting on people's minds. There'll be a congressional hearing. They'll blame it on national security. And then we'll get whichever version of Hillary Clinton, whoever is the State Department at that time, will come out and give everybody a big apology. They did it with Tuskegee. They did it at the Acre hearings for the people that were experimenting on with radiation. And it'll be that way with us too. It'll be. And they did it with residential schooling in Canada, where they they killed 50% of the native kids that were taken from their communities and put in residential schools, and were tortured, uh, sexually abused, murdered. Uh, 50% never came home. Then they finally offer an apology. How do you offer an apology? Yeah. That killed off 50% of the Aboriginal people in Canada. What, the apology is good enough? No, it's not, you know, obviously, right? And what about with the suffering? And, right? and then you create generational abuse because you've done, you've done that to one child, and then that child gets out of residential school if they live that long, and then they're going to, you know, be abusive to their children based on what they've been. Like, do you know what I mean? It just doesn't end. 
But I do believe that the controllers or the people behind a lot of this stuff, they're very uh, thick, uh, you know, people that have already been exposed to extreme abuse themselves. And so this is nothing for them. This is just an extension. We're just like the worthless eaters that have to, like, you know, be their guinea pigs. But I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ever going to accept it. Never. Yeah, you guys make up a good. You guys made a good point though about the millennials and, and you know I call them snowflakes and we don't have a lot of empathy or sympathy for them. But maybe I have to rethink that right now because there there's an onslaught. There's an attack on their minds right now, and it's not their fault. So. Um, they don't know. They're just going to college and they're just being infiltrated right now by a bunch of uh, maniacal uh, Luciferian nutbags that want to control their minds. And so, oh yeah, Daryl, that, that, that guy, for anyone listening, Daryl uh, Hamamoto, wow, this guy's amazing because he really nails, um, you know, that, the, the, just, just basically that whole um, intelligentsia community how they've infiltrated universities. I mean, I'm old enough, and I'm sure you guys, John is too. And like, I remember when, like, you hear about, like, uh, you know, in the '60s, let's say, mm-hmm. and you know, you go to university and you debate your professor. And I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. Like, some older kid in the neighborhood's telling me about his brother, and they're arguing in, in, in university with their professor. And there was like this. I wouldn't say dis, but you know, in a discourse, there was a there was a chance to debate, to engage, to talk, to argue. All those things I think are healthy. And now the education system is really just being been like, it, 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 you know, memorize this and we'll and feed it back. Yeah. yeah, and you don't have any critical thinking skills that are encouraged. You're really just AI is what you are. You know, I'm going to memorize all this stuff on myself cell phone and take my test. Okay, let's go. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's not anything. Yeah. No, no, it's just it's not. You know, you've heard you've heard about people that graduate and have great, you know, like educations, but they have absolutely no street smarts, right? right. Yeah. Well, this is kind of like the extension of that, but yeah. like on steroids, where yeah. these poor kids, there's there's no chance to think for themselves anymore. The education system has been completely uh, messed with, you know, and that's all been intentional. Well, my favorite story is I had one of my friend's kids come up to me as she was 10 or 11 at the time, and I've given her a, a handwritten note, and she looked at it, and she goes, is this hieroglyphics? And I said, man, my handwriting's bad, but it is not bad. You know, I mean, you should be able to, she was like, I, I can't read this. Can you print it? And I said, you can't read it. She goes, they don't teach us cursive writing anymore. They teach us, they teach us keyboarding. And they teach us printing. And I said, what do you do if you have to sign a check? And she goes, well, we just print our name, I guess, on it. They, they absolutely don't teach handwriting anymore in schools. I heard that handwriting, like if you're going through psychotherapy or whatever, I've heard that handwriting, not this stuff, but actually writing by hand is like incredibly therapeutic. And it's another one of these, it's yeah. going to become a lost art, right? Well, yeah. I mean, for sure. We're being dumped down is by the way, and also with all the AI, these smartphones, like, we used to be able to uh, memorize uh, dozens, 20, 50 phone numbers. Now I can't remember my wife's telephone number. I just see Angie. That's all I need to know is Angie. But uh, that doesn't work all the time, right? You know, sometimes you need to know the telephone number. Yeah. 
Well, that's what you. That's probably going to a McDonald's and ordering a, a you know a Big Mac without the special sauce. There's no oh. picture for that. Have you ever played a cowboy? 
Well, you, well, you played like an 1800 pioneer guy. I played a lot of rednecks. Mostly rednecks to kill people and stuff, but anyway, this has been a loopy doopy crazy interview. I suggest that anyone watching this check out Dr. John Hall's info. Go to the websites, look at the information, read the books, or skim through whatever you have to do. We haven't like nailed anybody with all kinds of crazy technology today, right? We're just basically here to affirm things for those people out there that don't have a voice, that, that aren't able to speak for themselves. And then, you know, it's like, like the girl that you interviewed from the, uh, what, yeah. children's services the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. She was awesome, that girl. But most no. of those people don't have any voice, right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys for a voice. So that's really what this is all about. And that's why, if you notice, like, if you look up targeted individual, you're going to get hit on the first page of Google. Oh, they're all crazy. They're insane. They're paranoid. That's typical, man. Like now we're starting to become more savvy as a as a nation, as a culture. That oh, wait a second. If they're ganging up on these people, then maybe there's something to it. And I've noticed people changing like that, right? Yeah. Well, it's because they say oh, all of these people think the government's trying to get them. Well, after Snowden and Bob said that, guess what? The yeah, they are. To get you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank the New School's Creative Writing Department, Department of Media Studies, and the Vera List Center for Art and Politics for co-sponsoring this event. I'd also like to thank Pam Tillis and the Office of Public Programs for her support. And finally, I thank you to Democracy Now! and the New School Audiovisual Department for recording this lecture. And of course, thank you to uh, Rachel and Nick for assisting in their uh, setup of the facilities here. The New School is honored to host writer and journalist Chris Hedges, who comes to our school at an interesting time in which both this very academic institution and the liberal intelligentsia, of which it presumably counts itself a part, grapples with its powerless identity that continues to accept and support our growing war economy. Each week, my colleagues and I look forward to reading Mr. Hedges' lecture, uh, excuse me, column on truthdig.com. This week's column, Why Liberals Are Useless, hits right at the core of this identity crisis. Mr. Hedges writes, liberals are a useless lot. They're defeated and self-absorbed. Their cynicism is a cloak for their cowardice and impotence. They use inaction and empty moral posturing, not to affect change, but to engage in an orgy of self-adulation and self-pity. The gravest danger we face as a nation is not from the far right, but from a bankrupt liberal class that has lost the will to fight and the moral courage to stand up for what it espouses. Hedges unapologetically asks, at what point do we stop being dormant? At what point do we fight back? We may lose if we step outside of the mainstream, but at least we salvage our self-esteem and integrity. Mr. Hedges' words have been published in The Nation, Mother Jones, Harper's, and The New York Times, where his correspondence from the Middle East won him the Pulitzer Prize in 2002 for explanatory journalism and an Amnesty International 
Global Award for Human Rights Journalism. But Mr. Hedges' career at the New York Times would be short-lived. When in 2003, Hedges delivered a commencement address in Illinois, where he criticized the U.S. invasion of Iraq. Mr. Hedges argued, we are embarking on an occupation that if history is any guide, will be as damaging to our souls as it will be to our prestige, power, and security. Members of the audience booed and jeered him. Although some applauded, Hedges' microphone was cut twice, and two young men even rushed the stage to prevent him from speaking. Subsequently, the New York Times criticized his statements, and the editors demanded Hedges cease speaking about the Iraq War. Hedges, refusing to accept such restrictions, left the New York Times to become a senior fellow at the Nation Institute, where he now writes and teaches at Princeton. Hedges' books, I Don't Believe in Atheist, American Fascist, The Christian Right, and The War on America, Losing Moses on the Freeway, War is a Force that Gives Us Meaning, and Now Empire of Illusion, Challenge and Provoke. In War is a Force that Gives Us Meaning, Hedges describes war as the most potent narcotic invented by humankind. Subsequently, as war, poverty, and conflict escalate, as we learn in Empire of Illusion, an increasingly disjointed and intoxicated population will seek comfort in celebrity culture. Trivial gossip, pseudo-events, and illusion. Thus, it seems that both war and the illusions we exalt work in tandem to destroy what it means to be an engaged and informed citizenry. Now, we're here to talk more on this. The New School is very proud to welcome Mr. Chris Hedges. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Um, and I want to first salute all those students at the New School who were not asleep in standing up to their president. And uh, I hope that campaign's not over. Um, uh, secondly, I want to uh, remind anyone who hasn't heard or uh, has heard uh, about the event on December 12th, 11 o'clock in the morning next Saturday, uh, Lafayette Park in front of the White House, uh, anti-war protest demonstration, um, which I will be speaking at, Senator Mike Gravel will be speaking at. Kucinich will be speaking at, Cynthia McKinney will be speaking at, and um, as Nick read, you can read that column on Truth Dig today, uh, I, uh, that line has been crossed by Barack Obama, uh, and it is time for all of us to step out of the mainstream, uh, to give up on the Democratic Party, which has betrayed us, and in particular betrayed the working class, and fight for what is left of our anemic democracy. In celebrity culture, we destroy what we worship. The commercial exploitation of Michael Jackson's death was orchestrated by the corporate forces that rendered Jackson insane. Jackson robbed of his childhood and surrounded by vultures that preyed on his fears and weaknesses was so consumed by self-loathing, he carved his African-American face into a Caucasian death mask. He hid his apparent pedophilia behind a Peter Pan illusion of eternal childhood. He could not disentangle his public and his private self. He became a commodity, a product, one to be sold 
used, and manipulated. He was infected by the moral nihilism and personal disintegration that is at the core of our corporate culture. And his fantasies of eternal youth, delusions of majesty, and desperate, disfiguring quests for physical transformation were an expression of our own yearning. He was a reflection of us in the extreme. His memorial service, a variety show with a coffin, had an average of 31.1 million television viewers. It was the final episode of the long-running Michael Jackson series. The stories that enthrall us are real-life stories, early fame, wild success, and then a long, bizarre, and macabre emotional train wreck. O.J. Simpson offered a tamer version of the same plot. So does Britney Spears and Tiger Woods. Jackson, by the end, was heavily in debt and had weathered a $22 million out-of-court settlement to Jordy Chandler, as well as seven counts of child sexual abuse and two counts of administering an intoxicating agent in order to commit a felony. Jackson reflected back to us our own physical and psychological disintegration, especially with many Americans struggling with overwhelming debt loss of status, and deep personal confusion. The lurid drama of Jackson's personal life meshed with the ongoing dramas in television, in movies, in the news. News reports on television are many dramas. They provide a star, a villain, a supporting cast, a good-looking host, and a dramatic, if often unexpected, ending. In Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury's novel about a future dystopia, people spend most of the day watching giant television screens that show endless scenes of police chases and criminal apprehensions. Life, Bradbury understood, once it was packaged, scripted, given a narrative and filmed, became the most compelling form of entertainment. And Jackson was a great show. He deserved a great finale. Those who created Jackson's public persona and turned him into a piece of property, first as a child and finally as a corpse encased in a $15,000 golden casket, are the agents, publicists, promoters, scriptwriters, advertisers, video technicians, recording executives, public announcers, and television news personalities who orchestrate the vast stage of celebrity for profit. They are the puppet masters. No one achieves celebrity status. No cultural illusion is swallowed as reality without these armies of cultural enablers and intermediaries. The producers at the Staples Center in Los Angeles made sure the 18,000 attendees and television audience, and even the BBC, devoted three hours to the tribute, watched a funeral that was turned into another maudlin form of uplifting popular entertainment. The memorial of Jackson 
was a celebration of celebrity. There was the queasy sight of groups of children, including his own, singing over the coffin. Brooke Shields, fighting back tears, recalled how she and a 33-year-old Jackson, who always maintained that he was a straight male, broke into Elizabeth Taylor's room the night before her wedding because Michael was too excited to wait until morning to see the wedding gown. Shields and Jackson at Taylor's wedding then, quote, pretended to be the mother and father of Elizabeth Taylor. It sounds weird, Shields said, but we made it real. There were photo montages in which a shot of Michael Jackson shaking hands with Nelson Mandela was immediately followed by one of him with Kermit the Frog. Celebrity culture reduces all of the famous to the same level. Fame is its own denominator. And every anecdote told about Jackson seemed to confirm that when you spend your life as a celebrity, you have no idea who you are. And yet we measure our lives by these celebrities. We seek to be like them. We emulate their look and behavior. We escape the messiness of real life through the fantasy of their stardom. We too long to attract admiring audiences for our grand ongoing life movie. We try to see ourselves moving through our life as a camera would see us, mindful of how we hold ourselves, how we dress, what we say. We invent movies that play inside our heads with us as stars. We wonder how an audience would react. Celebrity culture has taught us almost unconsciously to generate interior personal screenplays. We have learned ways of speaking and thinking that grossly disfigure the way we relate to the world and those around us. Neil Gabler, who has written wisely about this, argues that celebrity culture is not a convergence of consumer culture and religion, so much as a hostile takeover of religion by consumer culture. Jackson desperately feared growing old. He believed he could manipulate race and gender. He transformed himself through surgery and perhaps female hormones.
So welcome everyone. Good evening. I'm very happy to be here this evening with Dr. Robert Duncan. This is Ramola D from Ramola D Report. And I'm here with a very special interview today. Um, Robert Duncan has consented to do a live stream. So we are all going to be treated to a live interview this evening. Uh, Robert Duncan, as many people may know, is a scientist and an author. He's the author of The Matrix Deciphered and Project Soul Catcher, which many people may have read and may know about. And um, he's requested to introduce himself. So I'm going to turn the floor over to him right away. And uh, Robert, do please tell us more, because that's part of what we wanted to start with really this evening, your background and who you are and the work you've done. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm somewhat shy about talking about my background. Uh, I have uh, many degrees from uh, great universities, I believe, um, and I, uh, I work for uh, the ABC companies that are often called uh, uh, DARPA, projects for the CIA, projects for the Department of Justice, projects for the Army, Navy, examples of such projects are uh, reading brainwaves to control robots. Uh, I wrote the artificial intelligence code to track the uh, nuclear, uh, the submarine fleets around the world, uh, robotic surgery and medicine. And it was, it's been quite an interesting career. Um, and uh, they could only have kept me dumb. And I love my job, uh, but I found out that uh, people were using my work for amoral activities, not just for defense of my country and to catch criminals. They were using it for uh, other purposes uh, within my own country. And I, I could not have that. I. Uh, I've been an international business consultant, a professor, you know, a long career doing many things. Um, but I got into this uh, line of research um, because I was, I thought I would be the first to do human brain uh, communications. Um, I, I'm sorry, uh, computer to uh, human brain communications. And um, I found out this group of targeted individuals, which were complaining about the exact thing that you would expect from a weaponized version of BC airframe computer interfacing technologies or brain-to-brain -brain interfacing technologies. And I'm like, this is a bit coincidental and rarely am I the first to discover anything. So uh, I did more research thoroughly after working on it, portions of it for the uh, for DARPA, and then realizing, oh my gosh, this is my work they're using to harm people. Um, and, uh, and is it possible so, that the work that you were doing was set up in such a way that it could have been used in that way? Oh yeah, absolutely. But remember, we're lied to as scientists, and we're compartmentalized. Uh, so I was doing, let's say I worked on voice 
morphing technology. Well, that was supposed to be used on enemy communications to sound like the general uh, over the battlefield of the adversary and misdirect them. Well, I see that with TIs as well. They hear their parents' voice, uh, voice morphing and talking about them behind their back and being used in very deceptive ways. Same with voice recognition. Um, uh, so in a sense, you were putting two and two together. The work that yeah. you had done, you were suddenly finding was being reported in the community from various people as yeah. occurring to them. Correct, correct. And, uh, and then, so that led me on this, oh, geez, it's been so long, this 22-day journey of researching and alerting the public to these technologies. Uh, I went Was this to, back uh, in the 90s or 80s, uh, Robert? I'm sorry to interrupt, I'm just trying to get a sense of the time. Uh, yeah, uh, around 2000. Around 2000. Around 2000. And, uh, you know, I even went with the former head of the LA FBI uh, to Congress, uh, spoke to the Judiciary Committee, the Armed Forces Committee, 23 senators, uh, and most importantly, the Intelligence Committee, and they are supposed to be the oversight. Uh, it was obvious to me that this was MK Ultra on steroids, same tactics being used, the mind control, the breakdown of the human uh, will, and using those programmed assassins or Manchurian uh, candidates or whatever their desire may be, just eliminate the target. Uh, and uh, further, I followed White Rabbit down the hole more disturbing than uh, um, This is absolutely uh, incredible. First of all, thank you for doing that, for going to Congress and going and speaking to these Senate committees and to the Senate Intelligence Committee, etc. Uh, it sounds like this was a replay of the Church Committee of the 1970s then, because you were coming forward as a DOD CIA whistleblower and Navy and NATO, etc. whistleblower. Speaking about this matter, what was the reception like? <laughs> And this is when I lost faith in my government. How was that event? Um, the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, said, we've never heard of MKUltra. And that's their one job. Was to Everybody's heard of MKUltra. So both the FBI, you know, the head of the FBI and I look at each other like, oh, this is not going to go well. They're starting off with a lie. <laughs> I've never heard of this. Uh, but Frank Church, ironically, I ended up in Idaho. Uh, Frank Church, the center of the... Where you are. Yeah, where I am, that started the investigations into FBI Ultra. Uh, and now, you know, it's gone through so many name changes. We just use that as an anchor point, but uh, it, it, who knows what the new budget, the new name is at this point. Well, you see, this is the whole thing, right? And this is part of what I hope we can talk about a little bit further. This is the whole issue, not just of compartmentalization, but about secrecy. There's a lot, of, there's a huge interest in keeping things secret, right? Well, and I, I learned why is because most humans want to do good. They want to believe they are doing good. And especially if you work for government, you know, you feel patriotic and you feel good, that pride, you know, flowing through your veins. Uh, your veins. And uh, 
if you knew the truth, you wouldn't do your job. And so they have to keep it compartmentalized. Oh, you mean uh, they're actually fooling the very people who are working for them? Yes, correct. Only a very few at the highest levels know what's going on. Uh, so they have to fool everybody down the chain. Um, it works well. <laughs> it works well. But their house of cards of lies is going to collapse soon, and uh, there'll be quite a blowback from it. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> Considering you know the subject that we're dealing with, and the fact that what I've been reporting on for five years is precisely this: the the consequences and the outcome of these compartmentalized and secretive programs that have wreaked havoc on this country and worldwide, actually. And worldwide. that's something I wanted to ask you: yes. How is it? How is it that MK Ultra has become a thing that is now having worldwide consequences? That people are reporting this around the world the same thing the same exact thing yeah yeah and that's kind of how i uh test my subjects and i've done 2000 interviews at least uh and they all started to sound alike <laughs> um this is a script it doesn't matter what country you're from language you speak what your education level is or anything they're using like well, basically seven or eight different scripts. Uh, they're not very creative in the DOD, let's put it that way. Um, I think we figured that out. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a worldwide weapon. Uh, you can't put artificial electronic fences and boundaries around tax-based, you know, borders. Uh, so, no, it, it's worldwide, and it was intended to be worldwide for the New World Order government. And this, uh, you know, George Bush Sr. talked about New World Order. He was head of the CIA. Uh, even uh, we have a candidate, uh, Barack Obama's uh, Vice President Biden, said the New World Order is of utmost importance in one of his latest speeches. So it really doesn't matter which candidate you vote for. Uh, it seems like they're all on board for this global takeover. Would you um, say we are in the New World Order currently? Uh, yes and no. It's just going to get worse. All military technologies will eventually seep into the policing forces of the, uh, you know, the United States, especially. That's already happened, though. Yeah, that's already happening. So yeah, we're in the middle of the transition. Uh, they. They have basically four more countries to go, uh, China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. And uh, then the rest of the world's kind of nothing. Um, uh, it, we, and here, here's another kind of theory. Why would you want democracy in every country? Well, it's because of mind-control weapons. We can control who gets into power. So the CIA gets especially interested when someone wins, let's say like Donald Trump or uh, Jesse Ventura, who I interviewed with, governor of uh, Minnesota. Oh, yes, the very famous. Uh, he said as soon as he got in, uh, 11 or 12 CIA guys uh, interviewed him at the in, you know, basement of the government mansion or whatever and asked him, how did you get elected? You were not supposed to win. And uh, 
So they were just curious why their their voting models were wrong. Wait a minute, um, I thought the CIA knew everything, controlled everything. You yeah, know. well, sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they get it wrong, and that's what they want to learn from. But, but uh, the point is to give the illusion of democracy and freedom that your vote counts, but not actually allow it to happen uh, in terms of global events. And, uh, right, and they could... They control it through the media. They maintain this farce that, you know, we are living in a separate nation. We have a democracy, etc. But it appears that from everything you are saying that the military and intelligence powers in this country, well, we know they have a connection with the intelligence powers in other countries as well around the world. And they appear to be running the entire show, the world show, not just the U.S. show. And, you know, I would question the whole uh, Russia-China thing as well. I mean, are they really separate countries? Are they really operating separately from the CIA and the DOD? Oh, I, I don't know about that. I was brainwashed in the Cold War, and so I'm supposed to believe Russia's their enemy. <laughs> you know, right, I mean, that's what we're all, we're living in America, that's what we're yeah. indoctrinated to believe, Russia yeah. is an enemy, China is an enemy, they're competing with us, yeah. etc. Um, and so, it, it is interesting, because without a foe, but let's just say the whole New World Order thing works out, we're one world government, well, now we have no one to kill anymore and are, are, are <laughs> yes. we have no enemies except and the people the economy will collapse and our entire the u.s economy is based on a war machine uh i general eisenhower president general eisenhower said it beware this is what's going to happen not stay vigilant it will become the entire economy and they will create wars just to keep people employed and uh, unfortunately, it became true. And then we have President JFK, who I think was just about to spill the beans more exactly about these mind control weapons. Really? And he got assassinated by a Manchurian program, the uh, brainwashed, uh, uh, you know, assassin. So, so this, yeah, it gets very deep. So this suggests that these particular programs, these mind control programs, these neurotech targeting programs, neuro disruption programs, they are sort of creme de la creme. the ultimate secret that the DOD CIA wants to keep forever secret. And they really think they can get away with it. I mean, how have they gotten away with it so far, up till now? Uh, using uh, many uh, techniques by counterintelligence, we spent a lot of money on counterintelligence, and what does that mean? literally dumbing down the population so we create cover stories like alien abductions or okay uh, that sort of disinfo mind control right through television yeah. programming and stories in the community etc about aliens ufos flying saucers abductions military which are actually military abductions from what i <laughs> report etc things like that but are they also using technology to dumb people down They're doing both. Uh, so, uh, yes, it is a way uh, in which to, let's say you're competing economically with another country or in the Olympics. It's, they've been accused of using this. Uh, um, you can uh, 
dumb down the population or confuse them. And I say counterintelligence does enough of that just on its own or watching the general mass media news will dumb you down enough. But, uh, right. but, but they're doing the opposite experiments too. Uh, we only, in our investigation, we only hear about people complaining about the tortures and the really brutal experiments that they're doing. But I've run into other people where uh, they have a voice, for example, that just compliments them all the time and puts them up and, you know, you're the best. And, uh, <laughs> they, right. They're also. <laughs> Uh, but you don't hear about them because they like it. Um, they think it's their inner voice that's yeah, they sort of being very optimistic. They think yeah. it's, they're wonderfully optimistic people generally. It's like, exactly. You know, that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they do, they're doing experiments of combining four or five up to six mines together, uh, hive mines. Hive minding. Uh, you know, another term is brain nets. And they're doing experiments of how to firewall the human mind. There was a colonel which uh, had a famous paper, uh, I forget his name right now, it was uh, The Mind Has No Firewall. And it's so true, we, we didn't involve that. It, it's not part of our structural makeup of the human brain or any brains that I know of. And, um, and so they're trying to develop literally bot filters so you can't have specific thoughts. I want to go out and kill someone. Well, as soon as your brain thinks that, it dampens the signal. Uh, so that could be a good use. Um, but um, they're also increasing intelligence. So four brains hide together. They'll become dysfunctional in some ways because you're brain wired. Uh, and MIT's done this with light and minus. And they, they, uh, they are able to solve a singular problem with combining brains. And so it's interesting. We think of ourselves as well to halves of a human brain. You still you're one person, and they, they used to do that for epilepsy uh, surgeries. Um, but you're technically two different things. Uh, but this is the reverse. This is integrating more brains, more half brains, into one individual, and hence you can increase intelligence for it. warfare strategy or whatever you want to think. Um, so there are a lot of interesting network configurations, uh, that, uh, and that's what I do. I just theorize. I don't experiment on humans whatsoever, but I, I'm working on a book about this. Uh, that's great to hear, Robert. You know, this particular notion alone, just this notion of hive-minding, bringing a few brains together to create a brain net or a hive mind, is very interesting, and you're suggesting that, you know, scientists it sounds kind of interesting from a theoretical point of view but in actuality you know what people are reporting in the field those who are targets those who are reporting they are targeted individuals you know they're reporting victims of neurotech they are reporting that yeah they can hear hive minds they can hear people having a sort of roundtable conversation you know via v2k or synthetic telepathy etc 
And it's not very pleasant notion. They don't want to hear people talking to them all the time. No, no, it's totally stealing one's brain, stealing their soul. You know, there's horror movies like called Body Snatcher, and that's in in its best form. That's what this technology can do. It can run other software, overlay it on your hardware called the brain, and uh, you know this brings up so many issues. Well, how can you have justice if you don't know whose mind was behind the actions of the body? And so it's going to turn the justice system on its head. Uh, they can erase memories, reprogram false memories. And so you can't even use a polygraph test to see actions of the body, etc. And it's not software. Overlay it on your hardware called the brain. And... Uh, you know, this brings up so many issues. Well, how can you have justice if you don't know whose mind was behind the actions of the body? And so it's going to turn the justice system on its head. Uh, they can erase memories, reprogram false memories. And so you can't even use a polygraph test to see who they are, who they are. The CIA has been well known to split personalities. And, using hypnosis and other things, and one of their old mind control uh, weapons was called rehit, remote hypnotic intercerebral control. Um, so let's say you're just connecting two minds. One is a trained mind of how to clone beliefs onto the target mind. Uh, you can make them angry. You can alter their, their voice. Let's say you're a politician and you want to make them sound like an idiot in front of the microphone. You can uh, screw up their speech, you can, and you can alter the outcome of so many things. You can insert thoughts, uh, but some of the more, you're talking about the overt targets, that literally uh, extra sensory perception. So we did a lot of that work in the 70s with Russians. Well, it's true, but I always thought of it as mystical force or whatever. No. No, it's literally training the brain to understand external neural signals. So, uh, for example, Duke University, they plugged some electrodes into a monkey's brain, gave it a third arm to eat food. The brain is very malleable, learn how to pick up food just with the robotic arm and feed itself. The third arm, you know, and so think of extra sensory perception as you're training these brains to accept the signals of something else that's biocorrelated with it to its brain. Um, but the, yeah, right now it's it's being used with trickery. So there's uh, it's called offensive information warfare. General terminology of uh, you know, that, that can be anything from hacking your computers and uh, spoofing you to your friends saying you sent the email, spoofing your voice, you know, on a phone call. But uh, it, it, it's such a wide uh, variety. This is the more secret um, of, of uh, and especially dream programming. That's the one that people are most susceptible to. Uh, we can manipulate subliminally 
your dreams and your dreams affect the conscious when you're awake. Um, and that's just dangerous. That's not free will. You're taking away someone's autonomy of thought and, and uh, decision making. Uh, so I don't even like the term free will. I prefer degrees of autonomy. Uh, is the term I would replace that with. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry I've been babbling. Uh, no, that's quite all right. Oh, it's can I answer your question? <laughs> no, I think you did. I think, you know, there, it sounds like what you're talking about is there are so many different technologies in use. There are so many different aspects of these mind control programs that are currently being used. You know, as we know from listening to the reports of people out in the field, and as you know, perhaps from also your, doing your interviews and also perhaps from your work, and that's really what I'm interested in finding out more about. I mean, you kind of worked with these guys. You've worked in the DOD, you worked in DARPA, you know, you worked with the CIA. I understand you can't talk about everything you've worked on. But no, what you're asking about is what is the moral alignment? I will tell you, I've worked with some of the most brilliant scientists in the world, but only a few of them are not morally flexible, and that's the term they use in the CA. Which means they were all mostly morally flexible. Yes, they didn't really care. They didn't care, right? You know, and I, I, yeah, I just wasn't born that way. Thank God for that, Robert. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to, my primary directive is to optimize happiness, minimize suffering in a sustainable way for all living creatures on this planet. Very simple, and maybe my formula is different than others, but um, it keeps my moral compass set. So it seems like, you know, uh, the people who are working on these brain projects, they are interested in probing, going beyond the limits. There are no limits, no borders, no boundaries, no morals, no scruples. You know, head right ahead, see what you can do, see the extent to which you can control somebody else. And they're not just interested in controlling one other person, you know, like in this Manchurian candidate program, they just want to control one person or two person people or three or four. They want to control everybody, right? They are oh, interested oh, in controlling oh, everybody. Ultimately, that's all, uh, even I think it was, uh, Oh, somebody in our government and the Justice Department said we're going to start turning to pre-crime. So yeah, you eventually have to read every person's brain, see when those moments of rage occur, and maybe arrest them. We have to to prevent them from doing anything. I would suggest that we're already in that state. Yeah, I, I think so. But but it's being rolled again. We're it's still being rolled out. Um, I would say, see, it's all grayscale. It's not black and white. So it's a matter of control, how well the cognitive models are working. And that's why they have to grab more people, uh, have their models and experiment on them, to add them to probability databases using markup, and so I would say it's probably um, due to the bell curve, eighty uh, percent rolled out. Uh, can you hear me? Okay, I got a message. Yes, from the uh, uh, it's, it's been kind of, it's okay. been kind of dicey. It's been kind of shaky. Okay. I was, 
close. You know, I live in a very uh, middle America kind of environment. Uh, they really believe they're getting the truth when America is free. And they're in this information bubble, which is called the Skinner Box. You have to travel the world and get, you know, more perspectives to see that, uh, no, the, the world and your government is not what you think it is. I love that um, the Skinner box, that, that sort of describes exactly what most of us are inside. Thanks to reading the New York Times, the Washington Post, watching CNN, etc. You know, that's the kind of storyline you get um, from just staying within that space. But um, coming out of that space and kind of returning a little bit to, the, to this issue of the technology and the issue of the kind of behavior management pre-crime technology that they are rolling out and that they are using and that they've been developing over the last 30 to 40 years, if not earlier. 60 years. Of 60 years. And it seems like there's a kind of a coming together, a confluence of non-lethal weapons technology, neurotechnology, you know, kind of weaponized neuroscience coming together. And then from the computer world, you've got machine learning and artificial intelligence coming together. So all of this, would you see this as a kind of a moment of confluence? I absolutely, uh, and, you know, it, it's good that we have government agencies that can protect us ahead and that are looking for the dangers of these new technologies, genetic engineering. I, I wouldn't buy my own CRISPR machine. Maybe I'll create a virus here. Oh uh, my God. You know, it's getting so, worse out there with CRISPR <laughs> editing. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's good that they look ahead, um, but their secrecy has actually caused more damage for solutions uh, and health for humans. So, yeah, th these technologies that are being torturing people around the world, uh, causing shoot up schools and uh, airports and other things, uh, they hide it in their news broadcasts. So it's just crazy. You know, <laughs> they don't go any deeper. Um, and uh, they could be used for the exact opposite purpose. They, we could empty our jail system out through correctional behavioral modification. We could uh, uh, do health, uh, mental health therapies for many people. We could, all the good stuff is ready to come out, um, but they, it's such a great secret weapon. This way we can control leaders of the world. This way, we can get their secrets, uh, you know, from the other countries without them even knowing it. And so that kind of power is corrupt. Uh, so you think that's really what's kind of prompting the continued secrecy? Because they seem to have uh, sort of a granite lock here. They, they don't want to to expose this at all. They've well, got They've got psychiatry in place you know, to tamp down any kind of report from the community where people are actually exposing and misapplying about it. They bring in the, you know, you are crazy, you are a schizophrenic story yeah. to stop it. Well, I, I mean, you have to imagine, uh, try to put yourself in their shoes. Uh, you're some important top brass general of the Pentagon, you know about this, uh, you ordered this, and this leads out, not only your career over, you're probably going to go to a Nuremberg trial for treason. Um, so in the shame of the country, such as America, we're supposed to be the world cop and moral leader. You can't say, yeah, we've been manipulating democracies for 60 years, 
we've been torturing and we made all this stuff up. You can't, so they don't want it to be leaked this way. The way they want it leaked is the way I've said on my website, oh, I think 10 years ago. They want a parallel rediscovery of uncontrolled technologies such as what Elon Musk is doing. So he takes the blame. Um, and it, it is like- That's really interesting. interesting. They want to blame the commercial creators of it. Yes, yeah. And so that way, then, so it's a good sign. And then all you need is a brain chip from Elon Musk and your mental illness is gone and your voices and everything else. And then he, he is the savior and he's the devil because he was probably doing it before is how TIs will you know, view it. Um, so I think it's a great thing what he's doing because it will show the technology is real, at least to the mass media idiots. You know, so do you think Elon knows what's going on? He's aware of these DOD programs? I don't know. I've never spoken to him. I sure would like to. Uh, he's one of my heroes. Uh, um, he, he does need a representative uh, ethics within his company if he's not aware of what's been going on and how he might be portrayed as the bad guy. So, uh, well, I, I have a question about Elon Musk. He's spoken about Neuralace. You know, he's pretty yeah. much confessed on TV worldwide, nationwide, that, you know, tests are underway to uh, pretty much inject people with Neuralace. It can be done through a syringe, etc. He's indicated, in other words, that he's part of, you know, various compartmentalized black ops projects. I don't, that's, that's a leap. Uh, I don't I know. Think? I think it's a little bit of a leap. I think he's a good guy, you know, but again, I was suckered into <laughs> the OD and DARPA too, so. Yeah, I <laughs> think about that. Judge, may not be a good judge of character. <laughs> I mean, there may be many of you around. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, seriously, a lot of, guys who go into DOD and CIA and work for the Navy, etc., and work on these black ops projects are good guys. They go in, you know, with good intentions and they, um, you know, give of their greatest expertise. They, they get into the program and they work uh, deeply in the program as it is. They have no idea, perhaps, how their technology and their work is being used, right? That's absolutely correct. Minus the few of the morally flexibles I talked about. Right, uh, right. But uh, no, in, in a way, they don't want to know. They want the lie. Uh, my country is the best, and I don't want to hear anything else, and it's going to be used for good. You know, uh, that's as far as their moral compass goes. Um, and you're not allowed to talk about what you do, uh, so you can't get any feedback other than the echo chamber amongst the people, I call them the people that wear bling, you know, <laughs> all, all right. um, They like the event. Yeah, they, they like shiny objects, yes. Uh, um, and so I, you know, it, it really, I'm, I'm with you, I, I hate secrecy. And knowing now how this cancer virus of technology has spread, in secret to basically overthrow mankind, freedom, yes. and democracy. 
Uh, uh, I remember one of my CIA friends uh, when I first started researching this uh, said, bring it to the light and the cockroaches will run. <laughs> I always remember that. So. That's really and great, I, though, I, that he gave you that advice. Yeah. You no, know, he meant well. He knows he has to take orders, do his job, not know, not question it from his handler or whatever, but, uh, you know, he's still at enough moral principle to understand what I must do. So it seems to me that suggests to me, and this is very helpful, really, that perhaps there are people, you know, even watching us right now from the DOD and CIA who know exactly what's going on and who are actually glad when there is a bit of exposure like this, you know, when you speak out, etc. No, I, 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 no, I think there's a bifurcation of loyalties. That's uh, uh, perhaps they aren't brave enough to do it themselves because they don't want to job or works in their lives. Right. Um, but I think we got a lot of cheerleaders on our side. Okay, that's good to know at least. You know, let's let's bring this back. Um, Robert, a little bit to the technology itself, because you know so much about the tech. And, you know, when we were speaking uh, on text earlier yesterday, you were talking about how there are very, and I do know this as well, but you probably know this at a much deeper level, than the very number of, great number of technologies, for instance, used to create the sensation of voices in the skull or the sound of hearing voices. And there's also, you said, many different ways to affect the nervous system. So neurotech has exploded. Um, did you want to kind of address that a little bit? Wow, that is such a huge topic. I mean, that's books upon books. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I can only talk about what the public knows mostly. Um, you know, the, the four different ways to pipe voices in the people's ears uh, directionally. Uh, either have a microwave radio frequency energy and a doctor went from the University of Chicago you know demonstrates this that the brain will vibrate the inner ear with microwave pulses and you send voices that way. Uh, I think it was Medusa is the weaponized uh, army version of that system. Uh, there's LRAD. The same for swing, the gene-based swing. Uh, Alexa. Stop. My Alexa, I had to join the conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh no,
can create their own language between them. Uh, but they have to be trained. They have to be synchronous. So you can get an uh, interview with a mentioned another kind of show how it's going to work. Um, two brains can create their own language between them. Uh, but they have to be trained. They have to be synchronous. So you can use something like the microwave hearing effect both brains simultaneously uh, correlate the brainwave patterns and you have a bi-directional feedback and eventually they will learn the same vocabulary and now let's say I'm the man in the middle uh, trying to decipher the spy your spy let's pretend you're a spy and I'm picking up these uh, radio frequency energy I will not be able to decipher what they mean to your brain uh, so it's a perfect spy tool you don't need any electronics plants nothing uh, but it takes a lot of time to develop it it's usually three three months to a year some people it does never work it doesn't work on I call it encrypted uh, uh, photonics, I'm not photonics, uh, encrypted speech. Uh, and uh, I'm, I, I have the simulations with primitive neural networks that I show how it works uh, and how, you, how it operates. But that's the, that's the super ticker one because that leads to synthetic telepathy. All the emotions can be controlled of the brain. Uh, touch, taste, sound, we can induce, record uh, these brain signatures and then realign them for that sensual experience uh, uh, later. Now, the positive thing, actually, sharing a dream with your partner and lover, and that'd be a good use. Yeah, I think we may have seen that in Solaris, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, or Solaris, but right now it's a good torture tool, so we'll record the tortures games, et cetera, and replay them on other people. Okay. Their brain can't tell the difference. Stuff. Uh, but we have no, you know how lawyers just make up their own language and definition. Well, it's, it's enhanced interrogation, it's not torture, but with the brain, it still is experiencing the trauma so those uh, you know the snakes who get involved with their, their spell casting to change the English language and the common definition really bothered me sometimes. Oh yeah because that's the same kind of thinking that's transferred over here and it kind of sounds like from what you are saying Robert that you're saying that then they're taking two brains and there's no informed consent obviously over here this is complete you know railroading of consent completely ignoring because these are the people in the field are reporting that this has happened to them. There is no consent. So they're taking somebody's brain, they're taking somebody's brain waves, they are stealing, harvesting their brain waves. They are examining, categorizing them, and then they're kind of merging. This is heterodyning that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Heterodyning and cloning. And you're heterodyning with somebody else's brain waves and then kind of cloning that person's brain waves onto yours so that you are becoming another person. Your brain is being seen in this equation as a machine. As correct. Oh, absolutely correct. 
and uh, you know, uh, it, it really is. I was going to name my book Project Soul Catchers, Project Soul Steel. Uh, uh, you know, I thought that I, is what it is. It's it, stealing. It, it, it literally is. So let's say I'm some rich billionaire, and I want to clone my mind and onto a new beautiful body. I can do that. I can literally force a copy of my brain. That's horrible to hear. Oh my God. Learn. This is I, I know. I didn't want to say it, but it gets worse. It gets far worse. <laughs> you know, with these transhumanists who are busy drinking the blood of babies, you can imagine they would be doing precisely this. Yeah, you know what they're doing. Uh, but here, here's the good news. So, they're going to seduce soldiers in the future. You cannot die. We store your brainwaves and we'll just clone it onto someone else's body we don't like. You got me about it. <laughs> so you can see where this is going. It's not good. We need the, these discussions. This is absolutely um, terrible. We need these discussions and we need them with the scientists and the military guys who are actually running these programs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this I, is absolutely, I mean, this I, is definitely a lot, a lot of people can't handle it. And Especially, you know, another problem we run into is um, while there is such a beautiful future ahead for any technology is neutral, they're using it for such evil based on our current society's morality. And you're asking, why do they have to keep it so stable? Well, you can see 95% of the world is religious. You're taking away the belief of free will then. Uh, which a religion relies upon, and justice relies upon free will. So society will become anarchy if they know we've been doing this for so long. Uh, so they have to keep it secret. Uh, However, at the very same time, you know, we are seeing now they are keeping the, the darkest part secret, no doubt about it, because, you know, this is why TIs are being named mentally ill and so forth. Yeah. And that's the mental illness program, which is very, very wrong. And, you know, something that I'm hoping that all of these conversations can change ultimately. Well, but, well, could I interrupt you just for okay. a Because that's an important point. Is the Russians use their psychology community, shrink community, whatever, uh, to put away dissidents. We don't yeah. agree with government. Chinese do it. Uh, Americans do it. Now it's in our DSM-5 that we disagree too often. Um, so you have up. oppositional defined disorder. Right? Yeah, you know the term. Yes, correct. Unbelievable. Isn't it? Isn't it's it? ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and so uh, but if you go back in history of, uh, let's say, Dr. Ewan Cameron, who was president of the, you know, psychiatric uh, worldwide, uh, you know, community, right. uh, was brainwashing, literally washing, not just programming, washing. Psychic driving. Yeah. Psychic driving. And they're still using that technique wirelessly on TIs. Now they're chatterbots rather than two traffic tapes. I want to get back to that at some point, but you know, never women, mind. I don't women, want to interrupt. Women with mild depression went in, you know, the CIA likes to take it out of country so they, they don't dirty their hands. I think it was the University of Montreal, Toronto, Montreal. 
And uh, yeah, about a hundred women he destroyed. Their lives, their names, everything. CIA funding. So if this weapon is existence, which it has, all that we have to do is pay off the top strings to add it to the DSN manual. It's a of a new neurosis that they had come about, but it's a weapon system. And they've done it. And they've done it, and the drinks are scientists with their biggest do correlation to the drug health and you know, et cetera. They, they don't know. They like the drug police. They, yeah, that's what they are. They're the drug police. Uh, as long as the drugs are taxed, they're good to go. You know? I know, they run side control. by side with all the totalitarians. <laughs> they, they sort of establish massive factions. So, I mean, it's frightening what the power that's been given to Skyrim. This issue of psychic driving, you know, and uh, driving people mad, and that the TIs are reporting it. You mentioned the TIs are reporting it. But, you know, part of the larger question here is that there are many forms of mind control that are actually being leveled at everybody, not just oh, Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, it's weird, ever since 9-11, our senators have passed, because they're really controlled, you know, paid for it by all the contracts, um, they, uh, they pass laws violent legal because propaganda, although it's always been among the U.S. citizens, uh, and they're using counterintelligence. They're going into, uh, you know, the Facebook, our support groups, everything, like you know. Yes. And they're actually paid government agents to disrupt the conversation. Oh, yeah. And, I think know, we are unfamiliar with our, that. Our tax dollars are, are paying these idiots yeah. to harm the truth from coming out to save us. It's a, it's really, brilliantly evil. It's brilliantly evil. So, I, you know, I've always liked the, bad, the villains, the bad guys, often in the James Bond movies, where they're brilliant. <laughs> Pentagon was directing it other times, right? I mean, yeah, well, 
right. Trying to kill off dark-skinned people. 
cancer deaths and et cetera, the cost of war is so much greater than the way the Pentagon general account uh, does the cost, I assure you. That's right, and that's the situation that we are facing today. You know, Robert, this has been an incredible conversation. I think we've gone a lot of places, and I think you've covered so much. And I thank you for your cancer, because I think that was the greatest part of this conversation. We have all, you know, gloves off, no, no holds barred kind of conversation tonight. Um, perhaps we should close on, you know, because there is a need, you know, to regulate this technology, because it is causing harm. Causing grave harm to many, many people. Thousands, hundreds of thousands. I mean, do you have a figure even as to how many TIs there are in the world? Minimum. Yeah. I have a minimum, uh, which is 10,000. But the maximum is much, much larger. And so the gap of what we know who's being affected by this uh, could be everyone in the world. Um, to some extent, just not tortured, but influenced. Um, so, you know, we don't know. That's why we need someone to answer these questions with much, uh, with a much higher security <laughs> We definitely do. I mean, I would personally, you know, issue a call at any time to anybody who is inside, you know, the secret services, the intelligence agencies forward to sort of listen to the call of your heart and your conscience because it's very important humanity is at stake here so i i actually did the reverse i i just i know trump doesn't listen to me but i said you need to reorganize intelligence and hire everybody let them reapply for the jobs because some of them are lacking their true loyalty of the Constitution and humanity here. Uh, keep the ones in the field, I think they're still good. But, uh, no, I, I, I want a complete reward. It's uh, failed us. Uh, this is one example. That's a great place to start, reorganization of the government, you know, to take these tools away from those who wish harm to humanity and who are indeed engaging in harm to humanity. Um, I was going to ask his closing words, Robert, if you wanted to say anything to, to people who are watching, who are listening, um, who understand what's going on and who perhaps, I mean, what can people take away from this? People who don't know that this is going on and people who do know that this is going on. What uh, can people do? Those are two different audiences. Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, those, well, there's something coming up. I, I said this is live. So um, there's the Patriot and the NDAA and another one that kind of gave uh, the government unlimited surveillance powers, which reading the mind and the bioelectricity is a surveillance uh, technology. Uh, Electronics Eavesdropping Act, the center is one of the is so outdated, it's from like the 50s. So they clearly want more government power, but there's a 215, section 215 of the Patriot Act is coming up to vote in March, I think 15. Um, so pressure your senators to make sure they do, they do not allow it to proceed. 
I can't remember if that's a positive vote or a negative vote, but say do not allow the section, section two, 215 to be renewed, right? Renewed, I, correct, correct, correct. Yeah, I think it came up in 2015, and I remember, you know, posting petitions, writing impassioned notes on my website, telling people, call your senators, you know, yeah. not to renew. And of course, they renewed it. Yeah. Well, you know, when they did it, uh, they renewed the Patriot Act. Well, Trump was being impeached. You know, everyone's distracted by that. So they use all these techniques to make sure the public doesn't know that they're really up to, you know, grabbing for power, insider trading with all the senators. And our government's so corrupt, it's like, out of control. But uh, anyway, it's been a good talk. To end this, and maybe we'll have another one. Yeah. I hope so. Thanks very much, Robert. I think that's great advice to end on. And you know, we understand the government is corrupt. The senators are corrupt. The Congress is corrupt. But you know, it's it's our voices ultimately that that can make a difference. Exactly. Right. So let's that's focus on the positive, right?
jealousy, a perceived threat, whistleblowing, and most importantly, money. It's obvious that these individuals have contaminated the media and the public with lies, excuses, and propaganda concerning organized gang stalking and electronic harassment. Do not believe these lies. Do not repeat these lies. So go along with the criminal activity against other individuals on all flying. These individuals and people who organize gang stalk are not able to provide any factual proof of what they are saying or relaying, repeating back what they have been told by all the organized gang stalking individuals and others on and offline. The majority of these individuals are sending messages and actual scripts to other people online, gaslighting them and having them say and read things in their videos which are false. They also convey criminal intentions to harass targeted individuals and a coordinated effort to fool and gaslight others concerning the individual being targeted. In order to gain credibility, these gang stalkers will impersonate police or other law enforcement agencies and attempt to suppress you with lies, intimidation, bogus gag orders, or threats of arrest if you refuse or remain neutral. Excuses and lies will consist of the following. The individual being targeted is a white leader or an abuser. And in the majority of cases, it's false. Domestic violence is the reason for getting stalking an individual, which is false, and a poor justification for harassing and terrorizing someone. This particular charge is being used for concealment and cover for a 24 7 harassment targeting campaign. Furthermore, the individual being targeted has a disease, which turns out to be false. This is being used for concealment and cover for human trafficking, racketeering, involving use of technology, or remote neural monitoring under the auspices of public health happening. I will continue by saying that these individuals also creating scripted YouTube accounts and websites related to organized gang stalking and electronic harassment and bombarding those accounts with lies, excuses, propaganda concerning organized gang stalking and electronic harassment. Even though they themselves are unable to back up their claims and not provide any proof of them, these individuals contact other victims of organized gang stalking and electronic harassment and relay lies against us. This is also used to force you to leave an area. Multiple victims have reported this behavior to us and have told us this was an attempt to justify their particular harassment and how they were terrorized because of these individuals. Be very aware that these individuals are involved in a highly illegal, highly criminal campaign which includes harassment, cyber harassment, hacking, tampering, criminal eavesdropping of internet communications, criminal eavesdropping of telephone communication, illegal criminal electronic monitoring by use of remote world monitoring technology. Finally, we ask about current and future members that you write down a document name or YouTube.com account of any individuals or groups involved in the above statement and send it to us. If you are approached or contacted by one of these individuals and asking you to say or relate something about another individual on or offline, or anyone who tells you any of these same excuses or lies, tell them immediately that you will not take part in becoming an accomplice or complicit by contributing to the harassment, invasion of privacy, or terrorizing of another individual. Thank you.